Hey, who's coming with Steve Jen and me on the 80s cruise next year? The 2019 voyage features host D. Snyder and performances by Kenny Loggins, Berlin, Sheila E., OMD, The Fix, Cutting Crew, Grandmaster Flash, English Beat, Starship, and more. It's all happening March 2nd through the 9th on the Celebrity Infinity. Join us for a seven-day trip back in time while we sail the Western Caribbean. Go to www.the80scruise.com to book. But remember to use the promo code STUCK to save hundreds off of listed prices. Steve, Jen, and I will be on the ship to host Big 80s Trivia and record a live podcast. Book select cabins and get a free drink package, too. Seriously, you do not want to miss the 80s cruise. We never do. Now, on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh-huh. And the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Look, I know I don't look like myself, okay? But something really strange happened, and I'm really scared. I need you to help me, my best friend. I can prove it to you. Oh, the space goes down, down, baby, down, down the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet, baby, sweet, sweet, don't let me go. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa bop, shimmy, shimmy, rock. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa bop, shimmy, shimmy, rock. I met a girlfriend, a trisket. She said a trisket, a biscuit, ice cream, soda, pop, no, Ooh, Shalina, walking down the street, ten times a week. I met it, I said it, I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool, I'm hot, suck you in the stomach three more times. Josh, you look terrible. Where did you go to school? It was it was called George Washington. Oh, GW. My brother-in-law got his doctorate there. Did you pledge? Yes. Every morning. I'm not sure we should do this yet. Do what? Come on. I mean, I like you and uh, I want to spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I get to be on top. Who the f do you think you are? Hey! Now you're Josh Baskin, remember? You broke your arm on my roof, you in my basement when Robert Dyson was about to rip your head off! You don't get it, do you? This is important! I'm your best friend. What's more important than that, huh? I'm three months older than you are, asshole. I haven't told you something because I didn't think that you were going to believe me. And even if you did believe me, I didn't think that you were going to like me anymore, so... Oh, come here. You can tell me anything. What? I miss my family, Susan, and I want to go home. Oh, my God, you're married. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we engage our inner children, or is it inner adults, to honor the 30th anniversary of the movie Big. Pretty easy show premise, isn't it? I don't get it. What exactly don't you get? Don't forget. 
Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You, gentle listener, can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to listen to our podcast on the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, we plead, please, if you love the show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, we are facebook.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Twitter is simply at stuckinthe80s. And our main website, predictably, sit80s.com. Let's all be nerds together in 2018. Adolescence. Three years. We do. Every day after school. Steve, joining us today, she has never blown her whole paycheck on silly string and novelty glasses. It's Galen DC. As far as you know, I haven't. Well, I'm speculating a little <laughs> bit there. That's true. Yes, I'm too practical for that. So I woke up last Sunday and I looked at the internet and I said, hey, holy crap, Big is 30 years old now. And so I, uh, I came up with this blog theory about how uh, Tom Hanks was nothing Nothing before Big, which isn't exactly true. But my theory was that Big was the movie that really made him a star, like a really big bankable star. Does anyone want to debate me on that? When was Splash? Is that after Big? Oh, much much further before. Splash is way earlier. Splash was really his first big feature <laughs> feature film. I mean, the only other movie he had done before Splash was Mazes and Monsters, right. which is the TV movie and is just scary bad but this was his first blockbuster this is the first one where he basically carried it i thought yeah Yeah, i mean if you look at the stuff before big it's like the money pit and volunteers and bachelor party obviously and then a couple serious things you know every time we say goodbye (laughs) nothing in common but then you also have dragnet which is just goofy (laughs) right it's it's hard to separate it but if you really look at it i mean after after big Things just came to him. Before then, it seemed like he had to to work for it a little bit more. I mean, it's another eight years before he makes the perfect movie, That Thing You Do. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I sat here when I wrote the, wrote the notes for the show. And I'm like, I, I'm going to make this one foolproof. Not even Brad's going to be able to sneak in That Thing You Do today. And yes, he did. <laughs> I do it for you, you Steve. Do I do me. it for you. So uh, in case you've been living in a cave for the last 40 years, here's a quick recap. Released on June 3rd, 1988, Big is about a 12-year-old boy, soon to turn 13, named Josh Baskin, who is trying to impress a girl in his class by going on a carnival ride called Ring of Fire. The only problem is he's not tall enough, so he's not allowed on. Humiliated, Josh finds his way to a fortune-telling machine and makes a wish to be Big. Zoltar dispenses a card saying your wish is granted, and the story really gets going. Josh wakes up the next morning, finds out he's 30 years old, and is now being played by Tom Hanks. From (laughs) Disturbing enough on its own. From here, Josh goes about trying to live in a real world as a 30-year-old while simultaneously trying to find that damn Zoltar machine so he can reverse his wish. In the meantime, he gets a job at a toy manufacturer, falls in love, has sex with Elizabeth Perkins, and generally acts like Tom Hanks would be as a 12-year-old. The movie was directed by Penny Marshall, who became the first woman director to have a movie clear the $100 million mark at the box office. 
It made walking pianos famous at FAO Schwartz. And like I previously well, no kidding. <laughs> and like I previously said, it's a minute Tom Hanks is one of the top Hollywood stars of his generation. The end. We'll see you all next week on Stuck in the Eighties. <laughs> <laughs> That's been story time with Steve. Yeah. Does anybody remember seeing this in the theater? Yes. I saw this in the theater. I've seen it a few times over the years. I saw it again last night. This is probably like time number four or five seeing the movie. Brad, we would have been we would have been like twenty years old, twenty one years old about this time. I guess so, yeah. So I I know I saw it in theaters, and yet it doesn't seem like the kind of movie you and I would go see at that age. Yeah, well it's a summer movie, summer before our senior year in college. Right. Right. So yeah, I you know, you go see a movie with your friends. Well it was Tom Hanks and up, yeah. and up until then Tom Hanks had made movies that had I mean, hilarious like, movies. Right, right. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, it's gonna be a hilarious Tom Hanks movie. And and it is I love me some dragnet. <laughs> yeah. It is, but it's it may be one of the first movies of his that has like a, a bit more of a heart. There's to a little it. nuance. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little nuance. It's not just, you know, L-A-F-F laughs. Right. I actually think that this movie is a very melancholy movie. It's I know it's billed as a comedy, but there's a lot of sort of sadness to this movie. I mean, here's this person who doesn't fit in. He feels like he, you know, doesn't fit in his body when he's young. He wants to be big. And then he ends up in this world where he's completely adrift and alone and that awful scene where he's in that terrible flea bag motel and he's just, you know, cries for his Scared mother in his death. bed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he never really like, he never really is comfortable in his own skin when he's in well, the adult but, part but, of it. But who is when they're 13 years old? I mean, <laughs> who is when they're 30? No, I mean, come on. Right. We're all faking it at some level. When you're, when you're you 13, know, I you're 13 though, especially. 13 might be the, the the peak of feeling like you don't fit in. Like you could probably be yeah. the most popular person at yeah. school, but when you're 13, it doesn't feel like it. I don't disagree at all. Yeah. I just think that it's funny for a movie that's really billed as a comedy. There's, there's a lot. And, and it, I think his role is very funny because he's so good at being in that body and acting like a th- oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. at that. And and there's funny things here and there, but it's actually like I actually find it kind of a sad movie. Here's a whole other take on it, and I read this for the first time today. There's a website called The Ringer, and in 2016, they wrote a, an article about how big is secretly a horror movie. Okay, <laughs> they basically sell say, me. And this is an interesting premise, and I, you know, it's a fun movie, it's a silly movie, it's a lighthearted movie, except for that it's the reverse of everything. The only way that that this movie is Silly and fun is through Josh's eyes. If you're any other character in this movie, it's a horror movie to yourself. Look, look at the, okay. So they say Scotty Brennan, uh, played by John Lovick, is the guy who works next to Josh in the data processing. Hey, Psst. hey, Hi, Scott Brennan. Uh, I'm 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 Josh Baskin. Huh. Listen, what are you trying to do? Get us all fired? Huh? You gotta slow down. Pace yourself. Slowly. Slowly. Slow. Sorry. Today's my first day. I know. <laughs> I love it. Like, he sat down for like 30 seconds and he's already told him, slow down there, champ. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Push and the then, button um, on his computer yet. <laughs> and then Josh gets fast-tracked out of data processing within two weeks. And he's the vice president in charge of uh, development. Mr. Yeah. McMillan, the owner of uh, the toy company, 
promotes Josh to vice president. How does he get repaid? Josh r- walks right out of the most important presentation of his life and never comes back. Paul, the guy played by John Hurd, who is his rival at the toy company, <laughs> he basically gets his girlfriend <laughs> stolen by Josh. <laughs> and his project crapped all over. Right. The mom. It's a, it oh, is a horror my gosh. show. No kidding. Mom. Yeah. Different perspective on this movie as a parent. Right. The mom yes, obviously yes. has to deal with the fact that her kid's been, for all intents and purposes, kidnapped. And then his boyhood friend, Billy, basically gets abandoned by Josh when he suddenly, you know, decides that he wants like, to stay as an adult. I got a little something going on here. Right. Uh-huh. right. So, I mean, in so many ways, this is the opposite of what it you know, sets out to be, but you know, I give the ringer credit for at least, you know, turning something upside down and trying to look at it from a different direction. I will say that Katie and I watched it last night and, uh, she turned to me about, I don't know. It was probably two scenes before he goes home and she just looks at me and she says, this is a love story. It's like, this movie's a love story, Uh, you know, about Elizabeth Perkins and Tom Hanks. Like that's just what she was taking away from it. And I'm like, you know, she has her character actually i want to talk about her character some too but her character definitely softens as the as she's involved with uh josh baskins yeah it's interesting you know she's the only female character other than the mom that gets any kind of screen time definitely i don't think this movie passes the bechdel test by a by any stretch of the imagination but it's interesting how her boyfriend at the beginning of it uh paul is basically throws her like like oh well you're just you know sleeping your way up the ladder there aren't you like yeah. man like she's you know she's got a tough row to yeah. hoe in that one that character well i have some uh i have some kind of strong opinions about the elizabeth perkins character in this i'm very irritated by the fact that she has to play the stereotypical female role where she's asking about the relationship and she wants to know where things are going from day one. And then there's a suggestion, yes, that she's like had relationships with like multiple people in the company, which is what Mm -hmm. he says to her at that party. And that she, you know, has to constantly express insecurity. She's always like, is it me? I mean, granted, she's dealing with like a 13 year old boy. As it turns and that's, out, she's dealing yeah, with a 13 I mean, year old. Yeah. And that's, which, you know, it's frustrating. That's like telling at the end, which is like, that figures. That all makes sense. Right. And so, yes, I mean, it explains why anybody would feel insecure in that setting because you are not matched emotionally with the person you're partnered with. That it's, you know, yeah. not surprising that you would be looking for some kind of emotional. Uh, yeah, give, me, give me some direction here. Yeah. Some, some affirmation that you're not getting. But, it just bugged me that she's supposed to be this ambitious, smart businesswoman, and yet everything is about her is kind of lampooned. Like the boss makes fun of her for talking business at the party, and her boyfriend is kind of a jerk to her and doesn't seem to care when she breaks up with him, and it just seems to be like they're just sleeping together out of convenience. Yeah. And, you know, in the meetings, this is another thing that bugged me. In the meetings, she – kind of like echoes what other people say. She doesn't really have her own ideas. She can kind of go along and be a co-presenter and fill in the dots and add the details, but she's not like coming up with the ideas herself. She's just affirming or, or naysaying what other people are saying. So it's, she's not like a, I mean, I guess this was the eighties, so we have to grant them that, but from, from the perspective of the, the decade that we're in now, I found her character to be kind of frustrating from a female perspective. Katie laughed pretty hard. She's like, is she smoking Virginia Slims? I think she is. Oh, yeah. like she's the smoking. Lady cigarettes. 
like that oh is what gosh, dates right. this movie. There's a few things that date it: yeah. the computers, the cell yeah. phones, or whatever they were, whatever the phones they were using. But that's yeah. smoking in the meetings and the smoking yeah. in the office. Like, really that's what I said, I'm like, she's smoking inside. Oh my god! <laughs> I also the lo- the final scene where she's watching him go off back to the house, and mm-hmm. he turns to her that final time, and he's now shrunk, and the suit is too big on him, and everything. And she's basically looking at this 13 year old boy she's been sleeping with. <laughs> I found that creepy. Like I would rather that. Oh, yeah, very two, much so. I'd rather the two of them had parted ways, both of them as adults. And then she had turned around and left. And then Tom Hanks had walked away and gone up the street to his house and that she had already pulled away by the time he turned back into the kid, because it was kind of gross. Like, she's looking at him and she's got this, you're trying to figure out what is that expression on her face? Like, She's like, is she thinking to herself, like, oh my God, I've been sleeping with a boy. Like, that is probably statutory and illegal. Or is she like, oh. <laughs> no, no toys about it. Yeah. How sweet. I don't know. It was, granted, this whole thing's a fantasy and unrealistic, but that last yeah. scene, I really took issue with it. And I thought it, just puts I thought the it was a creepy cherry on the top I, of it. Yeah. I, I, I yes. don't know. I mean, the, the last 10 minutes of the movie, let's, let's take it as a whole. Where he finally finds the, Z- the Zoltar machine, he goes there, he makes his wish to be to be young again, to be a kid again, and then she shows up, you know, a few minutes too late, and goes up to him and believes him now, and just wants to have some final words with him. And we get this fantastic scene where he asks her to come back with him, and it's here's how the scene goes. your wish. I tried to tell you. I didn't listen. I guess I didn't try to tell hear you, you last or, night. or want to. Or how would I have, even if I've I did listen, how would this. I know? Why I've would I know try- that? Look, I've been thinking about it, and there's a million reasons for me to go home, but there's only one reason for me to stay. What? What reason is that? You. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> so, uh, what? What are you? Fifteen, sixteen? What? I'm thirteen. Maybe you could come with me. No. <laughs> no. Why not? I've, I've been there before. <laughs> it's hard enough the first time. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. You don't know what I mean. I gotta admit, when I saw this today, I started I started getting a little weepy. Just this whole idea that he's, she's like, "Oh no, I've done that once before. I it was hard enough the first time." Mm-hmm. And he's and he's looking at her like, "I yeah. don't know what you're talking about." And she's like, "Of course you don't. You don't know." No, I, love, a, I a, did love that line where she's yeah. just like, "As much as I like you, like I will never right. relive those but, days." But <laughs> yeah, not for you, not for nobody. Did you know that there's an urban legend that an alternate ending of the movie was shot? 
where it finishes with Josh um, back in his classroom with his classmates. And in the back of the room, you see Elizabeth Perkins as a child that she actually did go to Zoltar and make the wish to be young again so she could be with him. And that that version was only shown like in the New Zealand release. I don't buy it. Well, it's been, it's been, if that was, yeah, if that was out there, if that was out there, yeah. you, you can find it on YouTube. I like the fact that that people thought about I, I like it. The idea. It like if I were shooting this movie, I'd say, yeah, let's, we're all here. Let's, let's shoot this one. Okay. Someone had an idea. Steve had an idea for an alternate ending. That's even more weepy than his other ideas. Let's go ahead and shoot it. Because <laughs> then we can get him out of my trailer and he'll stop crying. So they shoot it. You and know, I can do my cocaine yeah. in peace. And then we'll let, it, we'll let it go in New Zealand and we'll just see how it plays. I totally buy that. I mean, it's not something unreasonable. I don't know that New Zealand is the studio test market <laughs> no. for that sort of thing. But what do I know? I know. Well, it, 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 it played well in Prague. but uh, Just like me having lots of girlfriends in the uh, greater Niagara Falls area. Right. <laughs> I think that their relationship was certainly not substantive enough for her to, you know, this isn't like a, I don't know, a a love story for the ages. It, this was like, it's a misunderstanding. It it, it would have seemed (laughs) implausible. Yes. It's like a threes company esque love story. (laughs) Like it just, it wouldn't have made sense for her to give up her life and go back and be with him. I mean, so, and I, I mean, I'd like to think the director, especially when she had a, a, toy company to bankrupt with this ridiculous comic book choose your own adventure idea oh the choose like your own that. adventure yeah. that why do you say ridiculous that oh, like, no, no, was no. that not uh, yet as, to come as a book great as a comic book i don't think it could be made at a reasonable price point probably not then maybe not even now yeah. what do they say seven dollars <laughs> for yeah. it's like twenty dollars like like, gonna pay seven dollars yeah. yeah that's right so let's talk about the casting for a second uh tom hanks was always the first choice to play the adult version of Josh Baskins. Bonus points of anybody who can name the actor who played young Josh Baskin. It was David Moscow. No idea. No idea. David Moscow. He, I, I meant to look. Is he, has he worked in, in the yes. business since then? More than, he's, he's got more than 40 acting credits since then, uh, including some prominent roles in Newsies and Just Married. But even though Hanks was the top pick for playing uh, Josh Baskins. He, he wasn't really available at first because as Brad mentioned, Dragnet was happening about that same time and the movie Punchline was oh, happening. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So it turns out that Robert De Niro was offered the role of adult Josh Baskins. Oh my <sighs> gosh, that, that would have been a very different movie. Yeah, um, especially, I don't know if he'd done any he'd become a cab driver? Yeah. <laughs> He was demanding six million dollars in salary, so eventually that was that was just not going to happen. So yeah. others considered for the role: John Travolta, Dennis Quaid, Bill Murray, Michael Keaton, and Robin Williams. I could I could see Robin Williams doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think part yes. of the charm of this is Tom Hanks just is a kid. Like I, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what totally he was doing, it. but you just he just nails it when he walks off the elevator in that tuxedo <laughs> at the party yes. oh my god i'm like i need that tux for the cruise i have to get that tux for the cruise but he just it's just the wide-eyed you know just yeah. kind of gormless sweet presence in this adult body i don't know how he does it there's a scene where i think it's where he and his friend are, are walking to that city agency where they're trying to get the find the location of the Zoltar mm-hmm. machine. They have to fill out those forms. So they've like gotten off the subway and they're walking to the thing. And, and Tom Hanks is like jumping up and down. There's like a, 
you know, when like you're walking on the sidewalk and then there's a little thing on the side, like where the lawn is or something and it's raised and you know, little kids, they constantly have to jump up and down those things. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, he just does it so naturally. And like, I would love to know. You move like a 12 year old. Like he was so aware, like the awkwardness of his body, like it just exactly like a, like a, a 12 year old would do. And I'm wondering, did he sit and observe a bunch of 12 year olds? Did he, is he just like, did, was he getting good direction or is he just that good of an actor? He did, he did actually spend a lot of time with um, his co-star and, and other kids that age playing with toys, just hanging out and getting their mannerisms. Mm. Plus he also had a, a son about that age at that point. In fact, the, the whole, um, Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop little rap that they do mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Tom Hanks's idea based <laughs> on a... to his friend. No, really, it's me. Watch. I know the rap. Yeah. yeah. That was taken from his own personal experience with his son. It was huh. some uh, song that they his son had learned at summer camp and that they would sing together. And so that's, that's how it worked its way into the movie. That's cool. There were two other little things I thought were so well done. When the mom, he calls her up and he goes, ask me a question that only Josh would know. (laughs) She asked him, what did I sing to you when you were a baby or when you were little? And he's like, can you think of maybe another question? (laughs) Because you can't remember what it is. Yeah, that was really funny. He's like, what 13-year-old boy remembers what their mom sang to them? I thought that was cute. And then the infamous, we talk about this in my family a lot, the baby corn scene where he's eating the baby corn like it's corn on the cob. Yeah, just improv by him. He thought that that's what a 13-year-old would do. So That's, that's funny. really funny. Who'd never encountered baby corn before, yeah. Did any of you have a wish to be big when you were when we were little? Was that something that crossed your mind that you wanted to, you, you were ready to grow up way ahead of time? No. No. I mean, I wish I were like a more confident person then, but I didn't want to be a different age. Like I didn't have a desire to fast forward and get out of the, and those years sucked, but like, I didn't feel like, Oh, I just wish I was, you know, 22 or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I I would, I would echo that. I don't think I had any like, Oh, if I was, you know, if I was in my twenties, then I wouldn't have all these problems. It's like somehow I knew, yeah, but I would have some other set of problems like buying groceries and, you know, having a place to live. Right. So, well, well, then, I, I think on some level, I was aware that it wasn't. You know, maybe all bad. Yeah. Well, then, let me rephrase the question: If if you could have had a wish granted from Zoltar when you were thirteen years old, what do you think it would have been, Brad? Oh, okay. So thirteen is like seventh, eighth grade. Everyone's favorite time of year. <laughs> time of life even if it's going good it's still pretty lousy so when i was 13 i was the tallest kid in my school and therefore i played basketball junior high and i am i always say i'm living example of you know you can practice something that you love that you want to be good at as much as you want and eventually you'll get better no sometimes you just always stink so if i could wish for anything if a 13 year old me could wish for something it would be for a jump shot I just wanted to be better at basketball because that was like, I kind of saw that like that's my pathway to being accepted here in this, this microcosm of junior high is to be decent at basketball. Cause I was awful. Yeah. What would you, what would the 13 year old version of you wish for? I think I would have wished for to be free of the like friend drama of that era. Like I think, Seventh and eighth grade being a girl just kind of sucks. And there's always stuff going on that's making you feel awful. And maybe I would wish to have been able to rise above and just not care because that's impossible when you're that age. So it's not so much anything physical. It's more just like confidence and presence of mind to know just to just not shit about what's going on. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Steve, how about you? 
I just wanted to be cool. Like I, I knew I was very aware of the fact that I was not cool. Like I, I didn't dress cool. I didn't have a cool haircut. I had really thick Coke bottle <laughs> glasses. Um, Wait, that's a I, bad thing. Oh no, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And mine were the kind that tinted. Like when you went outside, you remember that? Oh, like, no, auto yeah, baby. That's so that was the worst invention ever, ever. Because they were always tinted. Like you'd be inside there, still tinted. You know, you were, you were an idiot. I hadn't switched over to contacts then. I just, I was the most uncool person. And I know we all thought we were at that age. But I'm telling you, I, I'm like the, I was a poster kid for uncool. And thank, thankfully, I got a few friends about that time who basically helped me through it and helped me pick out some clothes and bought my first pair of Nikes and. I was on my way to at least being <laughs> no more zips, mom. No more zips. <laughs> zips. I mean, zips were cool. I mean, I, I, I was wearing stuff from Kmart, so I just, you know, I had, I had to find a I had to find a mission, and my mission was to to drag yeah. myself out of that. Hey, everyone, you know what the real secret to getting uh, big in the eighties was? Taking the right vitamins. Stuck in the eighties has a new sponsor, and their name is Care of. Care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients that are personally tailored to your exact needs. Personally, I don't know what vitamins to take. That's why I'm fighting off a cold right now. Can you tell by my voice that I need care of vitamins? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm on the verge of death. But I don't need a Zoltar machine to figure it out anymore. I just went to the Care of website and I took a quick online quiz. It asked me about my diet, my health, my lifestyle choices. And a few minutes later, it delivered a personalized vitamin pack just for me. And then, boom, a 30-day supply is shipped right to your door at prices that are about 20% less than what you'd find at the local drugstores. And don't stress it. Recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutritionists. Nutritionists, eh? That's something I probably should look into. Hmm. And because you're a listener to Stuck in the 80s, you get a special deal from Care Of. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter 80s. That's 25% off your first month personalized care of vitamins. You just go to takecareof.com, enter 80s. Taking vitamins hasn't been this easy since your mom handed you a Flintstones chewable back when you were 13 years old. You know what else is chewable from the 80s? The Saggies. Ah, the familiar refrain of my raspy voice saying, listener mailbag. We got a letter this week from Amy in San Francisco, and she has a graduation story to tell us. So let me give my uh, my poor throat a rest, and Brad, take this one away. Oh, Steve, let me give you a well-deserved break and read this letter from Amy. Amy writes, hi, guys. Maybe you recall from my letter, read in episode 407, my sad graduation stories, my parents leaving me at both high school and college graduation without any congratulations. B-Rad, I listened again, and you are a monster. <laughs> so I sought some clarification on what monstrous act I had I had uh, partaken of, and apparently it was because I was laughing at these stories, which are funny. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for that. They're funny. You know, <laughs> tragedy plus distance is comedy. Anyway, Amy continues. Well, it is a year later, and yesterday was my son's graduation. My husband and daughter and I are in the bleachers, and on my right, my mom. It's 30 minutes before the ceremony starts, and we're talking about my graduation. I tell her I can't remember that much about my graduation, but I do remember that unlike today, I didn't drive with my family to the venue. And why do I remember it above all else? The sad ride home. 
I do it to get a rise out of her, and she never takes the bait, but is the itch I can't not scratch. Yeah, I get that. The graduates file in, and I can't place my son. He's a bit quirky, so it's possible he didn't get to the right staging area. I think to myself how ironic it would be if my son ditched me at his graduation. But I know he's pretty well-known and well-liked in his class, and they would find him. And, of course, they would call us if they couldn't find him. They're going to let a kid not be part of his graduation. He gets his diploma, and I'm so proud of him. My son goes off to grad night, which I'm chaperoning, but I want to give him his space. So I'm standing talking to a group of graduates when one of my son's friend comes up and says, your son is doing karaoke. This I have to see. And there, with his classmates cheering him on, my son is singing, Don't You Forget About Me. You want to talk proud, stuck in the 80s nation? Well, this is it. Today, all my friends are posting their family photos of their graduate. They all look well-staged. And ours look like the poster children for awkward family photos, minus the big hair and sometimes disturbing costumes or props. I contemplate a reshoot, but these photos are the story of us. And they exist, so that's a bonus I didn't get. Maybe no longer stuck at my 80s graduation, Amy. Wow. Redemption. <laughs> that's awesome. Healing. That's a great story. <laughs> Let the healing begin. Yeah, that's the- Let the healing begin. I say that every day. It never happens. I love the thing at the end about the, like, but these are our family pictures and this is us. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. You know, sometimes the moment is not exactly what you would put on a Hallmark card, but it is your moment. And I think it's good to, to kind of grab onto that. That is excellent. As always, we love your letters. Send them to podcast at sit80s.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I had to look back. It was show number 459 the last time. Yeah. We this. So we apologize for that, but we, you know. Can't just be giving out those prizes willy-nilly. You see, these things cost money. <laughs> Anyway, you know how the routine goes. We'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing uh, for a bottle opener. Pay attention. Here's the clip from last time. Well, these two bulls are sitting on a grassy knoll overlooking a herd of Guernseys. And the baby bull says, hey, Pop, let's run down and uh, one of those cows. Yep, that's Color with uh, Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. Here, there's their 80s movie we don't frequently quote too often. But yeah, good reason. It's depressing. Brad, do me a favor. Read some winners. Winners this week include Eric the 16-Bit Kid, Cal in Atlanta, Jesse Elgato Grande Smith, Brock in North Dakota, DJ and Clinton, Jeff in Cuba, and Rhoda Collins. Attention, here's this week's mystery clip. Now, how much notice do you think you'll need to start acting normal? <laughs> if you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. <laughs> Uh, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. You know the drill here. We'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, uh, again, you're entered into the drawing along with the uh, mystery movie people for the aforementioned bottle opener. Again, show 459, you'll have to go back to for this one. Pay attention. Here's the clip. That's Robert Plant with Tall Cool One. If you 
didn't like this week's picks, I should let you know Brad picked them both. I think I was sick that week, too. I did. <laughs> yeah. It was something that week. Sick of picking clips. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have a fresh... I like this. I like this solo album. I'm not a huge... We were talking... I think that show we had a... Was Drew on that show? Because we were talking yeah, about Led Zeppelin Led before Zeppelin. we started rolling on that one. And it was kind yeah, of you're probably line. not a Led Zeppelin fan. I can't imagine. Oh, I do like Led Zeppelin. Oh. Well, I'm wrong yeah. again. Yeah. Oh, there I you like go. them a lot, actually. Wow. I'm shocked. I don't know why. I shouldn't be. So did you did you get this Name That 80s tune then, Gil? I did not know this one. Ah. No. Okay. Vindication. It's a good album. Uh, good album. Uh, we used to do a series about... Uh, Rock, rock Dinosaurs Gone Solo, and we stopped it. We did like two or three versions of it where we were honoring artists who made it big in previous decades with uh, with full bands that went solo in the 80s. And I don't know if we ever got around to covering Robert Plant or not. I don't know. You mean, well, is that the Rockers yeah, Gone Solo? Yeah, Rockers Gone Solo. Series? We haven't done yeah. that in a while. I missed that one. I, I don't. Yeah, we haven't. Well, maybe we should uh, pick we that one up. Back, research, and find out who we covered and all that kind of stuff. It's such a nightmare. Oh, I'll do that for you, you big crab apple. <laughs> we may have it written down somewhere. I don't think. I don't know, though. Uh, you guys really need to hire an intern. I know. We have no money. We've talked about it before. Yeah, but we talk about sit? it a lot. You know, my daughter's going to be home this week, and she's looking for a summer job. How much can we pay her? I wasn't really planning on paying her. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you get valuable podcasting experience. Yeah, give her Send your applications with a hundred dollar bill stapled to us, so we have something to pay you yeah, with. We really do need some help. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Brad, read some winners. Yes, that I can do. No, no spreadsheet required. Winners this week include Kevin Serving Winch, Matt Regal, Don in Tulsa, Dave Zavu, Canuck and Cali, who I have on good authority is now Canuck in Colorado. Chris from Michigan, Christian in Duluth, Anonymous Dave, Rick Parker, Lynn with two N's in Nebraska. Actually, there's another N in Nebraska. That's three N's, Lynn. Can't get that one past me. I can count and read. Tom Korn in Austria, Michael Mockrock Hayes, Peter Ryan in Montreal, Joseph Perdue, and Dan in Omaha. Brad, spin the wheel and find out. Uh, let's find out who our winner is this week. <laughs> My voice has turned into Kim Carnes' voice. Oh, by the way, is anyone playing that game where it's like, uh, what was the number one hit when you were yes. on your 14th yes. birthday? Mine is Betty Davis Eyes by Kim what Carnes. What the hell is that supposed to mean? It doesn't mean, it just means that the whole thing's crock of shit. I like mine. I hated that I like song. mine. What mine is, is I, and I think I've told you guys this before, it's one of my major guilty pleasure songs of the 80s, and it's All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Ah. I think that's a good one. That's a good one. It's better than Betty Davis' it size. Is. Yes, I agree. And coming to it, finally coming to the an end to the longest spin in history. The winner is going to be Dave Zavu. You are this week's winner. So if you send us your snail mail address via email, we will get a uh, bottle opener your way. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. It's a boy with a gleam in his eye. It's a dream as big as the sky. A million dreams begin with the World Cup. Hello, world, you got it. Can't stop it. The feeling you get when you get together. Can't beat the real thing. Coca-Cola wishes you a spectacular World Cup and a feeling that millions will share. Can't beat it. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left, and I thought, 
Um, I want to try something different this week. Big is one of several what you could call body swapping movies that were sort of had an infamous run in the 80s. And so I have a five-question trivia quiz for you both to play. Uh, we could do the same sort of shtick that we did with uh, Jen with one end when she has one. Just say your name if you think you know the answer. For the purposes of this quiz, let's let the whole question play out before someone tries to answer. Okay. Because we're going to try to educate and entertain at the same time. You guys ready? Five questions. Absolutely. Yes. Here we go. Question number one. This 1987 movie starred Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron as father and son who changed places after drinking a brain transference serum. <laughs> Name the movie. Oh, gosh. I remember this. But I don't remember what it's called. No idea. Uh, Come on. It's like no. um, crisscross. I don't know. What's it called? You ready? Yes. Give up? Yes. Like father, like son. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Arthur three, they're all they're all very bad. All these movies are not very good. I, I will admit that right up front. Uh, well, one of them is pretty decent. Anyway, question number two: the nineteen eighty eight movie Eighteen Again starred starred Charlie Schlater as a college freshman who switches places with his grandfather on their mutual birthday. Who plays Charlie's grandfather? Never heard of this movie. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have seen all these movies. Go ahead. Tom Hanks. George Burns. Uh, I'm so close. Oh, that actually rings yeah. a bell now that you say George Burns. Poor George Burns. Question number three. Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage play father and son who change places after touching a magic Tibetan skull. Name the movie. Judge Reinhold. Fred Savage. Oh, my gosh. Magic Skull is not the name of the movie, but it could be. I have not seen this or heard of it or anything about it. Oh, no. Fred. I'm ringing in. Beverly Hills Cop. What? Oh. Uh, no. Ruthless People. But you're in the same. Okay, Vice versa. Oh, jeez. I do remember that title, okay. but I've never Here seen it. This one you should get. I think you should get this one. Question number four. In 1984's All of Me... Steve Martin's <laughs> Steve Martin must share his body with the soul of a dying millionaires. Who plays the role of the dying millionaires? Gail. Gail. Lily Tomlin. Yep. Oh, uh, so good. Actually, does that hold up? I haven't uh, seen it in forever. Yeah, I don't know. It still has the great line: "Put Edwina back in bowl." <laughs> Put Edwina back in bowl. It's it's probably the most quotable movie of all of these. I could quote. Um, Vice versa has the line, it's not Mahler. <laughs> yeah, which no one uh, in the theater knew what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's the only line. I do that all the time. It's not Mahler. Question number five. Corey Feldman oh, no. goes through the body switch routine, but the plot is far too ridiculous for me to go through here. Suffice to say, one of his co-stars is, of course, Corey Haim. So the movie I'm talking about is obviously what? Uh, License to Drive? Oh, sorry, Brad. License to drive. Brad. No. Gail? No idea. Dream a little dream. Never heard of it. Wow. Can you ask harder questions, uh, please? I feel like these just aren't challenging us. <laughs> no, you got one of them right. So, anyway, that's it. Gail wins by the grand total of one to nothing. <laughs> wow, shut out. Good job, Whatever. Gail. <laughs> oh, a win is a win. That's right. Uh, anyway. 
thanks guys for showing up for the 30th anniversary of big gail it's always great to have you on the show Oh, thanks for having me. But don't Just forget, Freaky Friday can... was in the in the seventies, and then nineteen seventy eight. My friend, I checked. I thought you might do um, Peggy Sue got married. That's more of a time travel movie. Like a not oh, so much. A, it's more of a yeah, time yeah, travel. Yeah. You can sort of argue. Yeah, you bought an Edsel. <laughs> As everyone should know, uh, you can read Gail's book blog called "Every Day I Write the Book" at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. In the meantime, we'll leave you here, stranded in nineteen eighty eight along with Josh and his best friend, Billy, for the end of the movie. But in the meantime, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. I'm just not good enough. What are you talking about? You've been hitting the ball over the fence almost every time in stickball. You just got to get used to a fatter bat. <laughs> you really think I could do it? Yeah. Come on, we'll hit some after supper. Okay, I'll call for you. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.